Welcome back to Biblical Book Review. I'm Kevin. I'm Alec. And I'm George. We are so happy you are joining us for today's study. Last week we learned about hearing and seeing. This week we are in chapter 6. What does chapter 6 have to offer? Well, of all of the subjects, of all the teachings of Jesus, one of the most important is his lessons on prayer. The apostles had the, the advantage, the benefit, uh, the, the privilege of being able to listen to Jesus praying. Try to, try to picture that. And so today we're going to look at a, a major passage there in Luke chapter 13, or excuse me, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, and the idea of the topic of prayer. The theme that I took away from this week, reading this chapter a few times, was the apostles basically realized the inadequacy of their own prayer. And that's why it was an answer to prayer that Jesus taught them how to pray. Yeah, and I, could, I just imagine being, you know, at Jesus' feet and witnessing him pray uh, and how he did it. And he and uh, A.B. Bruce talks about there's the, the two different types of prayers that Jesus would do, those kind of public prayers, uh, kind of, he calls them family prayers, I think, these types of, uh, you know, we're familiar with the public prayer, and then the private prayer. And the apostles got to witness both, and just kind of like you're saying, Kevin, seeing the own inadequacies of their own prayer life, and then they ask the question. I love that they ask the question, uh, because then we have the answers, <laughs> because they get they got to ask the question. <laughs> and of course, the apostles to be they're they're going to have to know how to pray, just like Christians today. We're going to have to know how to pray. We need to know how to talk to God. And then when you hear someone that really understands prayer and really can pray. Then we look at ourselves and say, wow, that was, a, that was a great prayer. I should learn more about prayer. And it's like that with the disciples here, and it's like that with us as Christians. And so Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he kind of just has a little brief paragraph. He just says, I want, you to sh- I want to show you a model of prayer. It's very simple. It's very comprehensive. It's brief. And it's, it's a wonderful, uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer. And you think about that, of course, Luke also does that in Luke chapter 11. And it's interesting to think that Jesus is going to uh, direct their attention to how necessary the idea of being uh, in prayer and, and continually being in prayer, the perseverance of it, the, the harmony and the strong faith, and the expectation that we can uh, look toward the answer from God. And so that's what we're going to learn today on these lessons in prayer. We're going to learn that sometimes we don't have the words, and the Holy Spirit kind of fills in the blanks for us. And we also can learn that we can expect an answer. And like Alec was saying, the apostles got to hear this from the master prayer. And just think, think about this guy that came from heaven. And it's so important to him to speak to his father in prayer. How much more important is it for us to learn how to do the same thing? And when you get into the Lord's Prayer, right before that, he talks, you know, what was the Gentiles, they just say the same thing over and over again. And then, you know, the Pharisees and Sadducees are out there just to make a show of it all. And it's funny that the the Gentile one really stuck to me because in our family right now, we're working on prayer with, you know, Jackson and Wyatt, 10 and 11 year olds, because I think it was six months ago or so. I was like, I started saying 
the prayer with them as they were saying it and t- totally caught them off guard because they say the same thing every single time. And then we have a little family joke. I'm like, if I open up a can of corn, when is going to be inside of it? They're like, corn? I'm like, yeah. I shouldn't know what can you're opening when you go to pray, right? I shouldn't know you're opening a can of corn. So we have our whole no can of corn prayers. And then we went into, you know, the ACTS acronym, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And that's what we've been working on. So we don't have those same can of corn prayers. And like your children, the disciples were just like that. And Christians uh, can be sitting in the pew. Christians can be just like those children and they need to know sometimes that their their incapacity is 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 glaring and and when they when they realize it it's like these disciples they turn to Jesus and they say teach us to pray as if ashamed of their own feeble and vague and stammering words how ab bruce puts it teach us to pray we're we're not capable and we realize it and we see it, and so this is going to be the direction that Jesus takes. He says, I'm going to take these, these children, these spiritual minors, and I'm going to take them and teach them this valuable lesson on how to communicate directly to God. Yeah, this chapter was super difficult, right? A lot of these paragraphs were um, a lot of long words strung together. In fact, it, it took me several times reading through this just to be able to glean anything from it. So if you struggled with this one, you're not alone. So back to this idea that Jesus is teaching these children how to pray. He's going to take them from this, this crude stage in their life, this confusion of mind, this inability to form the words, the, the unable or the inability, inability to pray because they can't think straight. They can't even get the the right words in their mind and then they have to be taught that they have to wait in hope they have to expect an answer and so Jesus is going to take these 12 men and he's going to say I'm going to show you what it's like I'm going to show you and I'm going to take you into the very light and the truth and the grace of God and you're going to get to see it and you're going to get to hear it and then the best news you'll be able to teach others also. Yeah, and th- I believe they're talking about the formal prayer, right? Would you say, George, where you're actually praying in front of a group of people who are leading a prayer? Yes, and I believe that's the idea. The, the most important thing in, in training a leader is to teach them how to teach others. And so, of course, they're going to have to do this publicly. May, it may just be in a small group, may just be in around a kitchen table, maybe just be around a campfire. But the idea of teaching another and so that's going to be in a public uh, forum. And so Jesus says, I want to show you exactly how it's done. And then he takes them on this journey on these, in these two parables. And he says, this is, this is kind of what I see. And here's how, here's how I can teach you uh, the importance of this prayer. Yeah, I believe that you can, you can see someone's, you know, if they're genuine or not in their prayer. Being, you know, growing up in the church growing up around, you know, going to camps and different things and listening to a bunch of different people pray, you know that person that in their prayer can, you know, encourage you, can uplift you, can, you know, make you feel like, I mean, everything's going to be okay just by the way they pray. And then you have that person, you're like, do you really mean what you're saying? Or are you just copying someone else or you think that sounded good? Yep. And so we got to be really be careful 
uh, especially if we are going to venture into the the leadership aspect of it. Because like we're talking about, there is the two, really kind of two kinds of prayers. There's, and just like Jesus, there's those that you do in public and those that you do in private. Uh, and our private prayers can be uh, a lot more intimate, a lot more uh, informal or informal, uh, and maybe not even saying words, because uh, we, we alluded to it earlier, but the, the Holy Spirit understands even without us having to use words, what we are trying to say to God. And so some of our private prayers can be uh, vastly different than what uh, we're talking about here, this idea of this public prayer. How do I lead others uh, in prayer to God? Uh, Because obviously there's those two forms of prayer that we're talking about here. And what Jesus really is concerned about is is their object of prayer. What What are these men really praying for what do they earnestly desire and if you look through the passage there especially in the book of luke you see that the their desire is to be holy to be uh the the people that god has called them to be and to to have this interaction with the holy spirit they want to have this uh enlightenment and they're just un un unable to put the words together and then the worst part is the idea of having to wait for an answer. And really, that's the, the, the desire. Sometimes, you know, if we want to be uh, healthy or if we want to be uh, uh, wealthy or if we want to have uh, a beautiful family, if we want to raise, you know, uh, wonderful children, have a position in the community, sometimes those things aren't necessarily good for us. And even though we're asking for them, God says, no, just, you just wait. And sometimes that's the worst thing to hear from God is wait. And especially when we're asking him to enlighten us with the Holy Spirit for an increase in our faith, for this idea of being more like his son, to be sanctified. And sometimes when we're told to wait or when God, it seems, ignores our prayer, we're, we're frustrated and we say, why is he not listening because I know this is what he wants for me. And so Jesus has to teach them uh, in, in two parts. He'll say, here's, here's the form and here's the argument for the, uh, enforcing the idea of perseverance. And so here's, first of all, the form of prayer. And so he begins like we would when we're teaching our children uh, how, to, how to write and how to uh, get words and form words in their vocabulary. We say, well, it begins with the ABCs. Here's, here's the alphabet. And here's the ABCs of prayer. And so he, he begins with the idea that he says, when you pray, this is what you say. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he goes on, he says, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And you look at that and he says, okay, here's, here's really the ABCs. There's two parts to, every, to a good prayer. There's God's glory and man's good. Okay, so that's the, the form. That's the foundation. That's, that's the nuts and bolts of prayer. And so when you begin your prayer, and I like the acronym that uh, Kevin is teaching his family, the, the letter uh, Acts. And it's like, that's the same thing. It's like, here's, here's the ABCs. Here's, here's what you should look at and think about 
when you're praying. God's glory, first of all, hallowed be thy name. And give us this day our daily bread. We're talking about what do we need? Does God know we need food? Of course he does. That's going to be thrown in uh, kind of as a bonus. But it's like this is the nuts and bolts of prayer. Yeah, and I just I just want to read that little uh, passage there in A.B. Bruce's book where he says, The lesson on prayer taught by Christ in answer to request consists, consists of two parts, in one of which thoughts and words are put into the mouths of immature disciples, while the other provides aids to faith in God as an answer of prayer. There is first a form of prayer, and then there is an argument enforcing perseverance in prayer. Uh, and so, like you're saying, this idea of <clears throat> this, these, these two lessons that Christ wants to uh, teach his disciples of how to pray, these ABCs like you're talking about here, this, um, these are the basic foundations. And then I like how he puts it later where, you know, when we're, when we're talking, we don't think about the letters that we're using to form the words that we are making. We just do it naturally. Uh, and so when we are saying our prayers, we're not thinking about the ABCs uh, unless you are immature. Like when I'm teaching my, my, my kindergarten daughter her ABCs and how to sound out sounds and letters, that's what she's focusing on because that's where her mind is at the moment. But mature, 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 and you're, you're, you're making these words, you're not thinking about the actual letters in them. And so the goal of these ABCs is not to focus on the the letters themselves, so to speak, but to figure out how to formulate words, thoughts, and uh, more deep and mature uh, prayers. And so when uh, Christ gives the this blueprint, like we're talking about here, this outline of what a prayer should look like, we have uh, pra- praise and blessings uh, to God, and then what is good for us, and then the key thing is to make sure that it's not my will that I'm trying to enforce on God, but God's will that's being done uh, through the prayer. And that's where the patience comes in, because sometimes we can say, well, he's not answering my prayer. Well, are you praying for what you think is good for your life or what God is good for your life? And that's where our mindset has to be uh, maturity-wise. Well, that's where the persistence comes in. So it's the continual prayer of the same thing, because as you grow spiritually, you may realize, you know what? I don't know why I'm exactly praying for this exact thing you know i've grown matured in the spirit and i realize you know what this isn't actually centered around what i need to do for the kingdom work for god this is more of a selfish ambition and kind of going back to what george was talking about just a minute ago as far as waiting for prayer i believe that when you have those non-christians they're the ones that think that well this is like a you know i say it and then i get it kind of thing. You know, the ones that turn to prayer in a moment of desperation. They are the ones that think, well, now now that I prayed, I can get this. We really don't see that in the church. The church understands that you pray and you wait, right? The persistence thing, maybe not, but the pray and you wait. But unfortunately, I think we sometimes use that as Christmas in July. All right, I'm going to start praying about these things. I have my list, and then I know that December is right around the corner. It's coming eventually. If I, as long as I keep on, you know, I prayed for it, I put it on the list. I'm going to get it. Yeah, and uh, and that's just that comes with maturity. Uh, I remember at a young age, <laughs> I would uh, I would not study for tests, <laughs> uh, and then I would go in and go to take the test in school, and I would pray to God, uh, please 
you know, help me pass this test. <laughs> and then I would fail the test. I'm like, why didn't that happen? I prayed for it. It's like, well, <laughs> that's a completely wrong understanding of what prayer is. It's not this magic lamp genie, you know, he's going to answer it and I'm going to get everything that I ever wanted. That's And that's what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples here. And we need to mature in our prayer life. You got that one golden prayer for your GD. (laughs) (laughs) Watch it. And just as a sidebar, it's interesting that many people in uh, Christendom, in the uh, arena of of Christianity as as a whole in uh, the world, they will use the Lord's Prayer as their only communication to God. And A.B. Bruce says there is... A no reason to think that the Lord's Prayer, though of permanent value as a part of Christ's teaching, <clears throat> was designed to be stereotyped, binding method of addressing the Father in heaven. He says, you know, it's it's like Alec was saying, the ABCs, we don't think about the letters, we don't think about those uh, different uh, punctuations, we just, we just speak. And it's like that with the Lord's Prayer. Jesus didn't tell us, say this prayer three times a day and you're going to be fine, and that's how, that's your communication to God. Now, there are times, and I think somewhere in, in the lesson in chapter 6, uh, A.B. Bruce does say, you know, in a, in a private moment, in one of those prayers where we're, we're really struggling with something and, and we can't have, we don't have any way to, to express those, sometimes we go back to the Lord's Prayer and just, just say that to give us that comfort, to give us that, that insight that we so desperately need but as far as just reciting it uh two or three times a day or whatever and then you're fine you've communicated with god's like well that's that's like saying the abcs uh in your dissertation when you're writing a for your phd it's like well you're not going to use your abcs because you've matured you've you've grown and so the idea that the lord's prayer is just used kind of as a catch-all ab bruce says well it's really not that's not what Jesus did this for. We can use it. We can go back and, and rely on those beautiful words and how it, they're all put together. But as far as using it as our only communication to God, I believe is, is a, a definite error uh, in many people's minds, uh, even to this day. And there's been times in my life, like Alec already alluded to earlier, where I don't have any words. Like I, I am so distraught and so much pain that I'd basically just start the prayer in my head and then just plead that God listens to my heart because that's where everything is. I, I don't know how to put it into words. And I believe that that's where the Holy Spirit kicks in. And so when we think about uh, how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he says there's there's this minor difficulty, the, the want of utterance is how A.B. Bruce says it, or the lack of an ability to say the things that we really need to say. But the greater problem is our lack of faith. That's the problem. We don't have the proper amount of faith. And Jesus says, here is the antidote. Here's the solution to the problem of lack of faith. And then he gives these uh, two parables, these teachings about how we can increase our faith based on what we know about our own father and based on what we know about our own neighbor. And so I find that interesting that Jesus would use really sort of 
some really uh, ne'er-do-well individuals to make a point. It's like, uh, what, a, a lazy neighbor won't even get out of bed? A father's going give to you, give you a snake when you ask for, you know, a, a fish? It's like, well, no, that's, that's not, that's never going to happen. Even to the worst of parents, they don't even do that. And so it's interesting that Jesus says, there's, there's this problem. We don't know what to say. But the, the bigger problem is we don't have the faith that we really need. We need to depend on God, even if he says, wait. I think that goes into not only the faith to say the prayer, but the faith of actually believing what you're saying. You know, there's certain times that you, you know, growing up with your, you're looking around with your brothers and your siblings and you're like, hmm, we should go ask mom and dad to see if we can get, you know, chocolate malts it's like no no don't even ask it's a tuesday dad never makes chocolate malts on tuesday it's like yeah you're right shouldn't even ask about chocolate malts right and it's like kind of that narrative you have in your own head well i want this in my life well that's you know that's below god he doesn't you know i don't need to talk to him about that it's below him you know i'll just i'll try to handle that on my own well that's not what we're told to do here we're told to bring everything to god in you know perseverance too, continually bring those things to God and to believe that what we bring to him is going to be answered. Yeah. And the, and the parables really show, you know, where we're putting God in this situation. Uh, we, we don't ask cause we don't have the faith that God can handle it or can uh, do the things that he said he was going to do. And so Jesus uses these parables to show how ridiculous that position is. And, Basically, we're putting God in that position. We're putting God with our faith in the position of the uh, lazy neighbor. And we're saying, God's just a lazy neighbor. It's like, well, that's, that's low faith. Uh, if we're looking at God in that position, and Jesus is using kind of ridiculous stories to kind of point out the ridiculousness of that faith position of putting God in that spot, we need to, as uh, Christians, as followers of God, of Christ, put him in his proper uh, place and have the faith that he will answer our prayers and that what he answers is to our benefit. Uh, to and, and it may not be the exact way that we wanted it to be answered in the time frame that we wanted it to be answered in, but God is in control and have the faith that he knows what's best. And that's the, the point of these ridiculous kind of parables, pointing that out, uh, because it is ridiculous. <laughs> it, and that's what Jesus is saying. It's ridiculous that you're putting God in that position. And here's some earthly explanations of how ridiculous that is. And so when, when Jesus uses these parables, he's, he's very bold in the choice of his illustrations. He doesn't take good samples of mankind he doesn't say let me let me show you let me talk to you about alec and how how great of a, a preacher he is let me talk to you about <laughs> kevin and how, how how a great father and you think about these he doesn't use great examples he uses very uh, in fact below standard in the in the virtue of of humanity he says i'm going to use in, an interesting example and show you how, how bold I am in my answer, my argument. He says, I'm going to take the very worst and I'm going to prove to you by using the very worst 
that even if this is what you think about God, it's not true. And so this, this lazy neighbor, if, if, there were, if there was such a person, we would not really think very highly of this person. He is not a, a great neighbor. It's like, and you just annoy him until he opens a door. That's what you think of God. You just try to annoy him until he actually answers. It's like, no, he says, I'm going to show you uh, how bold I am by this answer. Then I'm going to say, here's, here's how wonderful God is. He deals with us, even with our uh, weaknesses, he deals with us with sympathy and counsel and help. That's the God we serve. That's the God we speak to in prayer. And then Jesus goes on to say, here's, here's the very wisdom of what the whole point of your asking for, for God's intervention to, for, to uh, increase your faith, to have this relationship with Him and uh, through the Holy Spirit. He says, you keep asking. And then, if that wasn't enough, just expect it to take some time. And it's like growing up. It's like going to school. It's like getting a new job. It's like gradual growth is the universal law. We're not expected to be a great uh, employee the first day. It's like we grow into it. We're not expected to be a great student the first day of school. We grow into it. We're not expected to be. And all those things, we should we plant an acorn. We don't expect a tree tomorrow. Uh, we wait. It's called a law of growth. And it's like this is the rule. And so Jesus is teaching with the wisdom, of course, from the divine standard. And he says, here's what I want you to see. Instantaneous sanctification is not the rule. You're not going to be holy the minute that you're, uh, you first become baptized into Christ. You're not going to be sanctified perfectly by the time you come out of that water. It's going to take time. And you're going to have to ask. And you have to lean and move in that direction and be patient. And so this is the, the beauty of Jesus' answer with these parables that seem to be so uh, outrageous. It's like, what? Uh, are you kidding? A lazy neighbor and a, a disgruntled father? That's, that's what you're comparing God to? Of course, that's insane. Yeah, and I like the way that uh, Abe Bruce kind of puts this, and bear with me, some of these words are... <laughs> hard to read like we talked about earlier this chapter had he 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 really was showing his uh <laughs> his it was, voc- a good, it was a good week for him. his vocabulary <laughs> in this chapter but uh bear with me but he says the objection is one which can hardly fail to occur to the subtle spirit of despondency and it must be admitted that it is not frivolous there is really a failure of the analogy at this point we we can annoy a man like the ungenerous neighbor in bed or the unjust judge, but we cannot annoy God. The parable does not suggest the true explanation of divine delay or of the ultimate success of the importunity. It merely proves by a homily existence that delay, apparent refusal from whatever cause is, as it may arise, is not necessarily final and therefore can be no good reason for giving up asking. And, and so, you know, he <laughs> used a lot of really big words, but, you know, this, this idea of God's delay in his answer doesn't mean that that's the final answer. Don't give up. Uh, 
be like we we've used this word several times. This persistency in our prayer is really important uh, in how we how we have a healthy prayer life. Uh, because if we just go say, "Hey, well, God said maybe or wait," and I just said, "Well, I'm going to give up now," it's like, "Well, <laughs> that, what?" <laughs> well, and to me, I, it comes to my mind. We we live in instant gratification world, right? That's what we live in right now. Today's age. It's, I want it now, 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 right? You go online to buy anything, you scroll down to check out of your cart and it automatically pre-approves you to do, you know, your coffee purchase in six easy payments of three ninety nine, <laughs> right? Instead of just dropping your $30 to buy your full coffee. It's like, man, this is crazy how people will finance anything. What I'm thinking about when George talked about the acorn in the ground, we can't just plant that acorn and then walk away and come back to the tree necessarily if we are not focused on growing spiritually we're basically uprooting that seed and taking it with us in order to keep it in the ground and to keep nurturing it watering it we have to be focused on growing that tree as soon as we turn our backs on it it comes out of the ground and we're no longer making any progress jesus uses that first argument in his answer uh, to increase their faith he says, I want to inspire hope in God, even in the darkest hour. And you know, you really can't appreciate the value of discipline until it's in the past. And you think about, you think about that in your, in your life as a child with your father or mother, and you think about that as a, a parent now that you look at your children, and why... Do you even bother with the discipline? Why do you even do that? Well, there's there's a point, there's a reason, there's direction that needs to be corrected, and sometimes it's painful. And God says, when it's past, then you'll see. But don't give up hope in God. Don't give up hope on me, because it's not final. Like Alec was reading from A.B. Bruce, it's not necessarily final. Don't give up asking. And so this is really the first argument. The second one is, it's like when you as a parent sometimes are frustrated with your children. You say, because I said so. <laughs> All right. And that should carry some force. Why are we doing that? Because I said. And maybe you don't have all the answer right there. You can't think of the exact reason, but it's like, I said. And Jesus says that in chapter 13 of Luke, or I keep saying 13, chapter 11 and verse 9 of Luke, he says, but I say to you, this now becomes reality. This is what I'm talking about. He says, when you knock, it will be open. When you ask, it will be given. When, when you seek, you're going to find. And it's not you may we hope so. We think you will. No, Jesus said, I say to you. And so this becomes a strong conclusion with evidence. That's that a foratorious uh, argument. That's what that means. When he says, I said so. It's like, oh. <laughs> and so Jesus says, not only do I want to inculcate, uh, in, inculcate this idea of hope, never giving up on God, but there's a promise. When you ask, it's done. But, and as Kevin was saying, 
we plant that acorn we don't expect the tree the next day but it's like that wise man that planted that tree and he is he is expecting it to give shade not to himself not even really to his children but to his grandchildren <laughs> that's the hope that we have in god and it's the growth process and jesus says this is what i'm trying to teach you in prayer there are times when it will seem dark and despairing and you don't know what to say and you haven't heard an answer and you're just at wit's end god says don't give up and jesus says i said ask and you'll receive that's what i said and we have to believe him we have to trust him and we have to put our faith in him yeah i think we can actually look at our our lives to you know have that perspective of faith I look at myself and the prayers that I had at, you know, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, about ready to start life, air quotations, and, you know, what I was praying for, what I wanted out of life at the time, and now that I'm mid-30s, it's not what I asked for when I was 17, 18, and I'm so very thankful for that, <laughs> right? Because God knew, he's like, yeah, all right, let's let's get some years on you first, and then we'll start working in the slow progression, right, that we were talking about as far as growing. And that's one of those things we have to have that faith. And I can look back at my life, and I can see how God's hand worked in me, in my life, to get me where I am. And that gives me faith that now my prayers as a you know mid-30s guy, I have faith that those prayers are going to be answered. And one of those prayers that I always pray is that my thoughts— my prayers, my plans are all centered around kingdom and God and doing his work. That's one of the things I always try to focus my mind on and I want my heart to be set on is doing those things in my planning. And so when it appears that God is ignoring our prayer or when he's giving us a different answer than what we asked for, sometimes it's because we don't have all the information. Sometimes we ask for a stone thinking it's bread. <laughs> and God says, no, I'm going to give you bread. And then we're disappointed that it's not a stone. <laughs> it's like, it was better. No, you need the bread. <laughs> it's like the two-year-old opening their Christmas gifts, wanting the box instead of the toy. Wanting the box. <laughs> and it's like sometimes it happens to us. And so here's the 12 and they, they're praying. And so, and you think about how they expected this kingdom on on earth and there's even people today that expect a kingdom on earth it's like no it's a spiritual kingdom and the idea that they're asking for this kingdom and and remember uh, uh, james and john's mom came and said put my sons one at the right one at the left in your kingdom here on this earth and jesus says no i'm going to be a disappointment here <laughs> that's not exactly how it's going to work you need to understand that this is a spiritual kingdom and so imagine the, the pain, the suffering that they must have uh, experienced when they look up on that Golgotha hill and they see their, their master, their rabbi, their teacher, their mentor, and he's dying on the cross. That's like, wait, what, what just happened? I thought we were setting up a kingdom. And see, they were praying for something that God says, no, that's not the plan. Sometimes we don't know the plan. We have to trust the planner. And so we have to say, I trust you, God, even if I don't even know what to ask for or when to ask for. And I love the illustration that Kevin used when he was 17, praying for his spiritual life and all the things he asked for. And then God says, 
that's that's cute that's funny but let me show you what life is and all of a sudden here it is and now kevin can look back and alec can look back and go oh i see how god answered that even though i didn't even know what to ask for god says i know exactly what you need so we got to trust him no matter what it looks like uh, here on this earth yeah and i'm sure at your uh, vast age father that uh, it you can look back at your 30s maybe uh, and have the same you know the same uh, thoughts where you're saying well when I was in my 30s I, this is where I was spiritually and now that I'm not uh, there anymore I can look back and say it's 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 a constant spiritual maturity um, if we ever get to that position where and I, I pray that we never do but if we ever get to that position where we're saying I'm spiritually mature I have achieved spiritual maturity. It's like, well, that in and of itself is an immature statement. <laughs> and so we need to be constantly seeking that spiro, spir, excuse me, spiritual maturity. And we, we kind of talked about it earlier, this idea of I was, I'm baptized and now I'm good. Everything's great. I'm, I'm the most mature, spiritually speaking, that I'll ever be. It's like, man, that, that is completely missing the point of all of this, and and when you look at the, the the disciples, the apostles specifically, and their spiritual immaturity all throughout the Gospels, and then even into the Book of Acts, where they're you know they're finally starting to get it, and then over the years of their um, uh, teaching in the first century there, and then you get to you know glimpse into John and into his old age when he's writing, you know the Book of Revelation and all these different. Uh, spiritual uh, maturity and him looking back on his uh, spiritual walk and he's still asking questions, still looking for uh, the next thing to learn. Uh, and so th- this is some great examples of how do we do this? How do we keep going and how do we find that spiritual uh, maturity? And if we ever get to that position of I've got it, man, that's a dangerous position to be in. And like Paul would say in the book of Philippians, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And like Alec was saying, that's our motivation at age 17, at age 30, 60, 80, 84. I may make it to 85. It's like, okay, that's the, that's the objective. And you say, okay, that's where I'm going. I don't, I didn't make it. I'm reaching for it. Even at this age and at age 35, I'm reaching for it. Age 17, I'm reaching for it. That's what God wants to see. And he says, you trust me and you give me the proper respect. You give me the proper glory and I'll take care of you. I'll provide that daily bread that we pray for. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins. God says, I got that. I'm taking care of that. Trust me. And you keep asking, you keep asking, and God says, I will continue to answer. Yeah, and it really drives home the fact, the importance of a healthy prayer life. Uh, Having this open communication with God. Uh, I mean, it... It blows my mind where and scripture tells us we can boldly enter into the presence of God uh, and think about that boldly enter into his presence it's I I am communicating with the creator of the universe uh, 
that that humbles me every time that I I think about that type of uh, communication. And he wants to have that communication. And what what am I doing if I'm just saying, eh? He, he can handle it and I don't need to talk to him. It's like, man, he's, he's given you this, such a great tool of communication. He's given you his word so he can communicate back through, through his Holy Spirit that works in our lives. And we have a, can have an open dialogue where we can lay everything out. And he knows, he already knows what's on your heart. Talk to him. And, and that's, this is what the, the disciples saw in Jesus, this open, honest, and real, authentic relationship with God the Father. And they said, I want to, I want that. Teach us how to do that, Jesus. And Jesus says, I got (laughs) you. So good leaders can learn and they can realize their inadequacy and then they can make adjustments and move forward. Good leaders say, I haven't got it all figured out, but I have figured out this much and come with me. And I may just be further up the trail than you, but I'm still working on it. I'm still working toward that, that goal. And I'm still uh, enjoying this, this journey. And so good leaders say, I'm teachable and I want to learn and I can be better. And each time we get a little better, each time we get a little better. And then pretty soon we're the ones that people come to and they say, teach us. And like Paul would say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And Paul even says to these saints in Philippi, he says, I'm, I haven't got there yet, but I'm reaching toward the goal. And people saw that. And that's what good leaders do. They say, I'm reaching. Come reach with me. <laughs> and together we can do this. Yeah, I always saw, I always, you know, in spiritual immaturity would see that statement from Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's like, well, man, how, how arrogant can you be? Uh, but it really is just a statement of faith. It is a statement of Paul's faith in God that he is can be confident and bold in his relationship to where he can say that to others, saying, follow me as I follow Christ. And we need to get to that position as well. It's not an arrogance statement. It's a statement of faith. We leave you with these questions. Reflect on your own prayer life. Has it become a vital part of your spiritual life? Is there anything that you used to pray for that you have stopped praying for because you have lost hope that God will answer it? Do you seek the kingdom of God, or do you mostly pray for things you want God to provide for in this earthly life? Thank you so much for joining us for this week's study. Yeah, thank you.